Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Ben Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Start the season right with a 108-105 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. A thrilling game, a game that was really back and forth. The Raptors were able to pull ahead briefly, take a 10-point lead early in the first half, but the Cavs really would come back and then take the lead themselves. And then it was a real back-and-forth affair until uh, the Raptors were able to secure it with some Huge plays down the stretch from exactly who we would like to see, your leaders of the team, Freddie making huge plays, Pascal making huge plays, uh, Scotty making huge plays, and uh, yeah, it just made for a really, really, really exciting win on opening night against a Cavs team that I got to say a couple things. Number one, really impressive, the rim protection, not Evan Mobley, not Evan Mobley, uh, it's Jared Allen who's doing the rim protection. Uh, some, I mean, only two blocks on the box score, that can't even be accurate because the amount of times he's... He, prevented a wide-open layup for the Raptors in this game was was astronomical. Um, obviously, they got Donovan Mitchell, right? He, he carried most of their scoring, if not all of their scoring. They lost Darius Garland to an eye injury, and so hopefully he's okay. I really like watching him. Although I have to say he was not very effective at all in his 13 minutes. The Raptors really had him bottled and, and, and guarded him quite well. Um, took him out of the game before he even left the game, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the, the Cavs are a tough matchup, man. They're, they're a really, really tough team, and their interior presence... Uh, with a guy like Jared in particular, just really hurt the Raptors. Not so much Evan. I got to say, Evan, um, you know, was uh, was bagless. I think uh, that was, if anyone was in the booth with me today, uh, including producer JR, who was sitting beside me, he can tell you that uh, I, I, I screamed no bag, no bag, no bag, like probably 50 times at Evan because, you know, he had no bag. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just it was a great matchup, and um, the Raptors were able to prevail. Uh, honestly, it was one of those games that could have gone either way. The Raptors did need to win the fourth quarter, 32-21. to 21. To secure it and of course they needed to more importantly execute down the stretch so we'll kind of start there and sort of work backwards with these kind of exciting games and so um, to me the two biggest plays of the Raptors offensively down the stretch both involved Fred Van Vliet screening for Pascal Siakam this is something you see quite often no surprise to anybody who watched the Raptors close in the last two seasons this is the play they go to right and the reason they do this is well number one you want to sort of see how the defense reacts to it because there's not a great way for the defense to react to it right um usually fred obviously is getting guarded by small defenders and pascal is usually getting guarded by a big so in this case pascal's primary defender is uh evan mobley and i th- or even Karis silver at times although to be honest that's a mismatch clearly even evan's a mismatch to be honest the generational defender uh, was slipping against pascal quite often in this game um but, uh, yeah, you have Fred set the screen, and you have him slip out, usually to the three-point line, because obviously Fred, being six foot minus two, is not going to be rolling down the lane and, and thundering down that way. He's probably going to slip out to the three-point line. And the two times the Raptors went to this, I think there was probably two minutes left in the game, a one-possession game. Both times the Raptors got great looks. The first time the Raptors went to it, Fred was completely wide open on uh, the, the, the pick-and-pop for three, and that left two of the Raptors' best shooters on the same side of the floor, uh, Fred at the, at the wing and Gary in the corner. Once Fred got it, he was wide open. The, the Cavs had to rotate up, and then Fred made the unselfish pass, uh, giving up a good shot for a better shot to Gary, opening the corner who knocked down the three. That pushed the advantage from one to four for the Raptors. And then the next time down, the Raptors had the same play. Fred screened for Pascal, slipped. This time, the Cavs are a little bit more diligent in terms of, okay, we actually got to stay with Fred. But it created this big moment of indecision, and that created this big gap 
uh, for Pascal to get into the middle of the floor, get into that sort of second layer of the defense. And Pascal, being very smart about this, went for a floater or a runner instead of going all the way to the basket because obviously Jared Allen is always around to challenge the shot. And instead, Pascal pulled up short, went up for the open jump, uh, the, the, the floater, and it rolled in. So that vital play right there got the Raptors uh, a key advantage and a very, very key part of the game. Offensively, that's kind of what separated them down the stretch there. Um, the Cavs also then immediately went to call timeout, and that were, I'm sure, I guarantee you, J.B. Bickerstaff was complaining and, and to his team and getting them in shape for that specific play. The Raptors didn't really need to run it too much else after that because Pascal ended up fouling out. Um, the last two fouls, I got to say, are just very disappointing um, uh, from an entertainment standpoint. I think, number one, uh, you had a play where Evan is trying to use whatever bag he had against Pascal, and Pascal bodied him up, and Evan slipped and lost the ball. The Raptors are going to run the other way with the turnover, but they called Pascal on, on a foul. Nick went to challenge the play after seeing it in arena, which, by the way, shouts to the in arena crew. That's something they could do a better job of is just showing the replay in arena. That actually helps the team a lot because, of course, the Raptors do have an, one of their 15 assistant coaches is looking at an iPad and, and going to replay every single play and then helping to inform the decision whether or not you challenge. But when you put it on the Jumbotron, uh, you get the crowd into it. You get, and of course, you get Nick literally instant feedback as to whether or not to challenge the play. He does ultimately challenge the play. The referees decide that Pascal like maybe tugged on Evan's arm a little bit. To be honest, I did not see that on the replay, but uh, in the arena, I only saw one replay, right? So maybe people watching on TV has a better understanding of this. They probably do. You get to see multiple replays. However, um, you know, okay, fine. You know what? You you, you want to give that foul. It's very light. It, it, and honestly, it was very fun watching Evan slip. But fine. Okay, we, we get to see Pascal go at it again. And uh, with about a minute left, under a minute left, the Cavs run a play out of the timeout where they get Donovan Mitchell the ball for a hammer play, which is, uh, you know, you got to pick and roll on one side of the floor, and then you got to off-ball screen on the other side of the floor. And the whole goal is to then connect the two opportunities by getting the driver who's on the baseline to throw a, ba a pass across the baseline into the opposite corner for three. I think the Cavs were down four at that point. Pascal is just, first off, the Raptors sniffed out the play great, right? Because, you know, they should because they literally run that play all the time. Um, but the Raptors actually guarded that play quite well. And Pascal, I thought, just did verticality in midair, right? He was guarding the drive on Mitchell, was doing a good job of it. Verticality, it wasn't like Mitchell fell over. It wasn't like he was bumped on the pass, nothing like that. Nothing affected the play, wasn't expecting the foul call, and the referees actually fouled Pascal out on that. So that was a real problem because now you have one of your key, your most key player missing uh, to close out the game. And so you really needed some pretty good, like, execution. And I'm not talking about, like, play execution. I'm talking about, like, um, can you get the ball in? Can you get the ball in and not turn the ball over? Can you get the ball into a shooter who's actually a good a free-throw shooter? Uh, and, and can you waste a little bit of time, depending on how you sort of get the ball in? And, and I thought the Raptors, execution-wise, even though this is the start of the season, did a really good job of, first off, um, uh, one play, very heads-up play by um, Gary Trent Jr., where instead of, uh, so everyone was sort of lined up, huddled around the free-throw line, right? Very standard sort of out-of-bounds kind of play where you're trying to inbound. And Gary just sprinted to the backcourt. No Cavalier went with him, so he was wide open, and the Raptors were able to inbound the ball and give it back to him. The play before that, they were able to give Gary the ball a tight inbound um, along the, uh, the end line there between the, 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 the sideline and the baseline. So it's a tricky spot to give Gary the ball, but they're able to get the ball into Gary, and then Gary's able to split two defenders, dribble through, and then when a third defender came, he was able to throw it to Delano, and the Delano got fouled. Now, that would have been a bad situation. However, Delano... Uh, didn't have to shoot the free throws because the Raptors actually, or the Cavs had a foul to give. 
Um, so Delano didn't have to end up shooting free throws. That led Gary to shoot the free throw. Now, Gary's the exact guy you would want shooting a clutch free throw, maybe him or Fred, but Fred's the guy who's taking the ball out of bounds uh, as the inbounder, so they're more valuing his ability to pass and his security in passing rather than necessarily his free throw shooting. So you really need Gary to be your guy who's making free throws at the end there. Gary surprisingly missed the first free throw, hit the second one, made it a three-point game. Um, but then the Raptors were still, were still able to get stops, and they were still able to... Uh, and, and by the way, it's, it, not only get stops, but this is where the execution comes into play. Because these very fine minutia is very important, especially when you're trying to win a game at a highest level, right? Because you're, you're looking at the, uh, the Cavs, at that point, had no more timeouts, down three, about seven or eight seconds left, had to go the full length of the court. And I, I was either Fred or OG, kind of both guys kind of both clued into this. But they realized, oh, we could just take the intentional foul here. Uh, as the Cavs were trying to dribble up, and they couldn't even get a shot off. And they did so in a fashion where they couldn't sort of jump up and flail their arms and get three free throws. They got two free throws, which is obviously great when you're only up, when you're only, uh, up three. And uh, the Raptors are able to then get the ball back in. It's a one-point game at that point, four seconds left, and they had another play where they had the inbound. The Raptors had a timeout, but Nick didn't choose to use it. Nick could have easily used the timeout, advanced it to half, but of course that means that if you don't get the five, uh, the, the ball in within five seconds, then you're really stuck, right? So Nick kept that timeout in his back pocket. Fred was able to get the pass inbounds where uh, I think Gary made the first cut. Uh, he was covered. Uh, and then Scotty had his defender pinned behind his back. Like the defender was sort of uh, between the, the Raptors baseline and also uh, uh, Scotty uh, on the pass. And so Fred saw that, uh, but more importantly, Scotty saw that. Scotty started just cutting down the floor because there was nobody in front of him. Fred with a great pass to lead Scotty. Then Scotty got into the middle of the floor. A second defender came over to try to foul Scotty uh, to stop the play. And Scotty, being a very, very heady player, uh, instantly, I don't even think he took more than one dribble, but he just threw it up ahead before the defenders could converge and foul him. And that led to Precious dunking the ball. And that will put the Raptors at 108 to 105 with about 0.7 seconds left. No chance for the Cavs, especially with no timeouts to advance the ball. Basically, you need some sort of crazy heave to sort of win the game, and they weren't able to get that. So great execution by the Raptors down the stretch, both offensively with Fred setting the screens for Pascal and also with the Raptors' um, execution in terms of those, like, you know, uh, inbound plays, taking the right foul, stuff like that. Great, great stuff, and also a really smart pass from Scotty. And I'm very happy for Scotty because, look, it was a quiet game for him. The, the two guys in this game that I was prepared to be disappointed by, just based on the flow of the first three quarters, were Scotty and Precious. And it was very fitting for them to be the ones who actually combined on the last play because they were way, way better in the fourth quarter. They were two of the main reasons why the Raptors were able to flip that game because it wasn't looking great. The Cavs had a lead uh, at halftime. They had a lead heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, and, you know, they were up eight. And at that point, the Raptors didn't have five players who were playing well. I thought Pascal was playing excellent in this game, and I'll get to his game in a second. Uh, I thought Fred was playing his role really well, um, didn't shoot the ball too much, you know, took the right shots, made the right passes, was playing great pressure defense. Um, I think, you know, Garland's slow start, a lot of that was Fred, right? And then uh, Gary hit the right shots, as he always does. You know, obviously, he's, he's a knockdown shooter. And then OG, even though he made one or two bad reads offensively, I thought he was everywhere defensively. He also had five assists in terms of just driving the ball, kicking it back out. To be honest, I was thinking I was a little hard on him on Twitter. I think I regret that a little bit. But in any case, your veterans were playing their roles, but you needed two more guys to at least join you, and or at least one more guy to join you for a five-man lineup. And to that point, Scotty had really not played a bad game, but to me it was like he just was in foul trouble. And and the, the second, third, and fourth fouls on Scotty were all really 
like cheap fouls. Not to say that these aren't fouls, but it's just like you don't, you're not getting your money's worth on these kind of fouls, right? So the, the second foul on Scotty, this happened in the maybe second quarter-ish, he was posting up Karis LeVert, and Karis LeVert was hand-checking him, and classic move, you, with your offhand, you slap away the hand-check, and then you keep making your move, right? Not like in a violent way, it's just like a l- very standard counter to a hand-check. And of course, they don't call the hand-check, but they do call the little slap away, and I'm not literally talking about slap, like hand-to-hand kind of slap. Okay, so that's that. That's a turnover on on, on Scotty just making a standard basketball play. Then you had another play two minutes after that where Scotty uh, crashes the glass effectively, gets a putback against Chetty Osman. The refs call Scotty for too much physicality on the putback. Meanwhile, Chetty didn't even basically jump, and and Scotty just moved him out of the way. Okay, so that sent him to the 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 bench for the first half because he had three fouls at that point. Then fourth quarter. Um, Scotty's called for his fourth or third quarter. Uh, Scotty's called for his fourth out on swatting at the ball, just pressuring the ball. Very standard stuff. Now, I mean, like you might say, well, at that point you gotta be smart. You can't reach. But also at the same time, like this is a play that didn't affect anything. It was just a very blah kind of thing, and you can choose to call that all the time because people swipe at the ball all the time, right? If you if you chose to call swipes at the ball as a foul every single time when you don't get a steal, Gary Trent Jr. will foul out twice a game. Okay, so this it's a choice to make that happen. And so Fred uh, Scotty was limited severely by the foul trouble but then the fourth quarter comes back in and he was very very good um his his aggressiveness comes and goes but when it comes you can really really tell right because you first off you had um scotty with a little crossover dribble drawing the defense to him and then a very very quick alert cross-court pass to oj anobi who was just briefly open because his defender kind of dug in just a little bit shading to anticipate scotty's drive because he's kind of shaking a bacon over there and then he's able to find Scott OG for uh, uh, a wide open three, right, on the wing. And then a couple plays after that, Scotty realizes, oh, I got Raul Neto on me, Raul Neto, right? So he drives uh, this 6-2 point guard all the way down to the basket, takes him under the rim, draws the second defender on the baseline, kick out from Scotty, wide open corner three from OG, knocks it down. And then another play after that, Scotty, he sees Dean Wade on him, and he takes him to the basket. He doesn't necessarily get by him, but muscles him, gets the angle, and then uses his length to shoot over the top through contact, finishes off the glass. And then even later, this is the thing with, with Scotty, is that like he took Jared Allen to the basket and finished the layup like it was nothing. And that's the thing to me. It's like if you watch this game, you saw how much Jared Allen affected shots around the basket. Guys missing lots of shots around the hoop because Jared was there to block him. Christian Coloco obviously being a rookie, but seven-footer, man. I mean, Allen had blocked him twice on dunks. Um... OG got stifled a couple times by him. Pascal got affected a little bit by him. At the basket, Jared Allen is truly one of the league's best rim protectors. I'm thinking top three, right? And Scotty just decides, okay, that's cool, but I'm, you know, like this is this is why people say he's a rookie of the year. This is why why he won rookie of the year. This is why people say he has all this potential. When you have that kind of physical ability to take a true shot blocker like that to the basket and score a layup over it and crunch time. That's special. The thing is, though, you want to see Scotty call his number more often. That's all you want to see from him. Just do that more often. But I thought he played a great game, finishes the game with 15 points, three rebounds, seven assists, two steals. Um, you know, was limited by foul trouble, as I mentioned, but he was efficient in his looks. And again, in the fourth quarter, there made a whole bunch of big plays. He was a plus 20 in the game, the best mark on the team. So Scotty really turned it around, and he was the, the first guy to sort of join the party. And then Precious, Precious had one of the – Precious had a classic – 
bad Precious have? Because, you know, the thing is, we're really excited about Precious and making this jump, and he's been working really hard, and we see the potential in, in Precious, but you have to also understand that there is this, there's still very much, like, wildness in, in the way he plays, right? And, and um, the first stint for Precious, uh, you know, people were, people were upset. I, you could hear groans in the arena when you had things like, you know, Karis LeVert, he's guarding him one-on-one. You know, Precious before this game, a shoot around says, you know, I, I want to be the defensive anchor of this team. Okay, well, you got Karis LeVert one on one. That's like their third or fourth option offensively. What can you do? And he gets completely turned around. Like, uh, literally, his back is to the play as Karis LeVert's pulling up for three. That's how badly he was crossed up on the pick and roll, right? Uh, and then you have uh, another play where he's he's wide open for three. He airballs the three, right? Then Pascal drives in transition, dumps it off to Precious. Go up for the dunk, he gets stripped, right? There's just a lot of plays like that where it just really wasn't going for him, right? Uh, he ended up getting benched by Nick for a lot of the first half. Then third quarter, he comes in for the first time. First play down, Donovan Mitchell sees Precious and takes him all the way to the basket for a layup. Again, these are things that for Precious, you need to be better defensively. These are, whether it's Karis LeVert, whether it's Donovan Mitchell, I don't care who it is on the Cavs. Precious has the ability to guard all of these guys. That just shows a lack of technique and, and, and attentiveness in those kind of plays when you get beat that badly by a Lever who's got you turned around or by Donovan Mitchell who's taking you to the basket even though you're a shot blocker, right? You got to do better than that. And that's exactly what happened. Precious in the fourth quarter, way, way, way better. Um, defensively, uh, was much more sound. Uh, didn't make any standout plays necessarily, but I think offensively that's where he really settled into because he was also making a couple of, like really uh, shaky offensive plays as well. But, you know, first up, you got Precious in the post. Um... You know, and and making a move, and I was thinking, oh man, he might force the shot here. Do I, you know, do I see that? He, you know, do we trust that he has the maturity to make this play here? Because it's the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, but it's like a one or two possession game. The Raptors trying to make this comeback. Precious has been struggling. You got the ball in the post. Is he going to try to assert his, uh, you know, force a shot here? Because that's that'll be a really bad opportunity to force a shot there, and people will get really mad at you. Uh, but Precious made a hard move, drew a second uh, defender to him, kicked it out on the baseline. Great pass. And then swing, swing. I think the Raptors got a top three from it. I think either from Gary or from Fred. Um, but really nice play that started with Precious making the unselfish play out of the post, the smart play out of the post. Then you had another play where the ball swings to Precious at the top, and he hits an open wing three. Now, of course, those come, come and go. I've been watching a lot of his warm-ups recently. He hasn't really been very accurate. I'm not going to lie to you. But big three in a big moment, he nails it, right? Then he has a cut after OJ Anobi, you know, caught an offensive rebound off of Precious missed three. OG is able to win the rebound, and he's holding it in the post. And Precious, seeing that OG has this opportunity, seeing that the defenders are sort of caught out of uh, out of sorts because obviously off offensive rebound, your defense isn't really set. Precious decides to make a hard cut. OG finds him uh, with the pass, and then he's uh, Precious able to get in for the layup. Then, of course, you got that dunk at the end. So I think Precious really turned it around as well, maybe to a lesser degree than Scotty, but those guys kind of joined the fray. And that's what ultimately gave the Raptors that ability to sort of make that push at the end because – you know, the Raptors didn't get a lot of good co- uh, contributions off the bench. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, first off, Nick probably could have leaned on one or two more guys. I think Christian Coloco played a fantastic game. Um, but I understand it's his rookie debut. You give him 15 minutes against a very experienced uh, front court in Cleveland or a very effective front court in Cleveland. Actually experienced, too. They got Kevin Love as well, right? Um, it's hard to trust a rookie too much in that, right? They gave Delano Banton a little bit of time, but Delano wasn't making that many plays, although defensively he was pretty good. Um but the guys that you trusted off the bench, Thad Young, Juancho Hernan Gomez, it just didn't work. And I think for Nick, that's something he's got to reevaluate, right? Like, obviously, he's not going to usually play this group because when Otto's healthy, Juancho's not going to play. Uh, Juancho is basically your auto backup right now, just like a guy who can kind of space out uh, for three a little bit. 
Um, you know, Thad obviously can do a lot of nice things for you. However, Thad was very ineffective in this game because usually what he does is sort of like orchestrates the offense and he didn't have the ball that much and he didn't have a lot of rim protection behind him, right? Thad has been playing a lot of three in these groups. When he was playing on the bench, like there was a lot of like Juancho and Thad are your bigs and then Fred and Gary are your guards. Suddenly you go from a team that has a lot of length and athleticism to Thad and Juancho are your two least athletic wings, right? So um, that, that was a tough look. And I think that that's where you really missed a guy like Chris Boucher, who would have really tied things together with his athleticism, with his shot blocking. The Raptors didn't win that many extra possessions. 12 offensive rebounds is, is good, especially against a Cleveland team with some pretty good rebounders. But they could be a lot better than 12, right? And they weren't winning that many more shots than, than Cleveland was. So, um, you know, you needed that. And, and even turnovers forced. Like, the Cavs had 16 turnovers on the game. Like, that's, a, again, a good total for the Raptors to force. But, you know, I think a lot of games, the Raptors are going to approach 20 in terms of how they force out the opponent. And so a lot of that is just, like, the um, the pressure and the uh, athleticism that Precious and uh, Boucher as a combo will do for you. They did a great job with that last year. Uh, but more importantly, the rim protection, right? Because, like, the amount of times Allen kind of just bullied guys in the post, it was nasty to watch. I'm not going to lie. It was nasty to watch. And you do wish you had a little bit more size. But that's when Precious and Scotty locked in. And that's also the, 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 the gift of having these, like, six, eight, six, nine forwards. It's like when they start playing well, all of a sudden you have guys who can switch out on anything, right? And that's was the biggest defensive adjustment to, to Donovan Mitchell, along with a couple other things. But the Raptors really didn't, like, overreact to Donovan Mitchell. Now, I think at times Donovan was cutting them apart, second quarter in particular. Donovan was, like, the leading charge of that. He would cu- get past the point of attack. The Raptors really weren't uh, securing uh, the, the drive. They were really allowing too much dribble penetration. Donovan would touch the paint, and then he would either finish when there was no help coming over because a lot of times Raptors' bigs were staying at home because they're worried about Jared Allen uh, muscling them. Uh, or if the help did ultimately come over, maybe even from the wing, Donovan was kicking it out to guys like Chetty Osman, who seems to always torch the Raptors for some reason. So, like, you know, Donovan was the main issue. But the Raptors didn't fully double Donovan the way you would see them double. Like, even like a Garland, for example, he saw more double teams in, in, in 13 minutes before his injury than, than Mitchell did in 35 minutes. They kind of let Mitchell do his thing. And the, the adjustment was sort of just like, we got to get better on switching. Right, um, the Raptors need so the matchups they don't want to get are probably Fred on Donovan, because Donovan can kind of shoot over the top. That only happened once or twice in this game, but obviously if you let that happen repeatedly, obviously he's a lot bigger than and, and, and he's able to get his to his spot. Right, Fred's advantage uh, a lot of times as a guard defender is that his his strength and he's got a really solid, uh, you know, upper body chest area. He's able to sort of stand his ground and sort of prevent the drive, bump the driver, and then get in there with his hand. Right. Um, Donovan is a is a bowling ball, so it's a little tough. And he got super long arms. He got like that Norm Powell build of like he's only six four, but his wingspan is like six ten, that kind of thing, right? So uh, he's tough in that match. But, but like you know what, the rest of your guys can kind of reasonably do it. Like OJ Anobi can guard him, Pascal can guard him, Scotty Barnes when he's locked in should be able to guard him, you know. And and even guys like Christian Coloco came in and gave a great shift against Donovan Mitchell. At one point, Mitchell got free and got a clear path and uh, he was going to take off and he did take off and challenge Christian at the rim and Christian just stood in there put his arms up and forced Donovan to go from like a power finish to like a scooping finish around the big and uh, Christian was able to force the miss like you're a rookie and you're not afraid of Donovan Mitchell coming full speed down the lane like that that's impressive to me man and the Raptors defensively were able to get uh, just a better handle on Donovan um, the Cavs arguably sat him a little bit too long in the fourth quarter, I thought, as well. He didn't really find a rhythm down there, but it's still, Donovan was quite effective. And um, But, you know, once the Raptors kind of stopped him, 
the rest of the guys weren't really making a lot of plays, you know, like uh, Chetty Osman with a moving screen call uh, where, where, you know, it actually was a big callback to last season where I remember very vividly a play where Chetty Osman like did a hip check on Fred as he set a screen, sent Fred flying, definitely hurt him. Obviously, Fred was already dealing with issue, issues health-wise last year. That did not help whatsoever. That play was uncalled. Um, not just uncalled for, but literally, literally uncalled by the officials. And then this time, about a minute left, um, Osmond tries to do the same thing to Fred. Fred falls over, and this time they give the foul to Fred. Big, big stop there, and, and it's sort of a, you know, super, super subplot. This might be the Z plot of Chetty Osmond moving screen calls. But, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a good matchup, man. It's a good matchup with these two teams. And I think my big takeaways are, well, actually, no, hold on. Before I do that, Christian Coloc had a really nice game. I got to give him his little, little, little bit of um, uh, hype here. So he checked in early, uh, 521 in the first quarter. That's a lot earlier than most rookies would make a debut off the bench, especially. Um, obviously, you know, Kem being out, obviously this matchup against a team like Cleveland with some pretty big, uh, pretty good bigs, obviously you need him in the game. But, um, yeah, he checked in early in the first quarter. He checked in even earlier in the second quarter, or, or in, the, in, the, in the third quarter, uh, I think at the 7.30-minute mark at that point because uh, Scotty had picked up the fouls, right? Um, so, yeah, I was a little bit worried about Christian because, like, you know, this is a tough matchup. This is a, you know, debut. What is he going to do? Well, actually, he did exactly what he did in preseason and exactly what he did in summer league. He's just there in position contesting shots and knowing his role. And he really does contest shots. Like, it, it's it's like the first play, well, this is while Garland was in the game. Garland got him with an up fake. Coloco jumped, but he actually jumped straight up instead of into the, 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 the guard. And then Garland thought, okay, well, I got you up in there. I'm going to go up for the little flip shot. Coloco somehow landed and got back up and then blocked the shot. Like, that's really impressive to me. Garland is a very, very slippery cover. Uh, and so that's his first play. Right then, he stops the pass going inside. Then he 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 he's contesting a rebound between two Cavaliers, and he actually gets the uh, the foul call there, and he goes to the free throw line. His first career basket is a uh, free throw. He splits the pair. Then uh, Mobley, I mean, man, listen, talk about bagless, but I mean, Mobley was trying to you know take Coloco uh, off the dribble, and Coloco just completely swallowed him up, forced him to pick up the ball on a pivot that uh, I don't think uh, Mobley wanted to even pivot off that foot. Mobley was essentially stuck, is what I'm trying to say. Had to throw some sort of weird cross-court pass into the corner just to sort of like, you know, um, and then not even as an assist, more like a please bail me out here. And the Raptors were to pick off the pass. I think OG jumped the passing lane there. So uh, great positioning, great length by um, by Coloco to do that. And, and yeah, he just he played well, man. I, I think the rim protection was just a lot stronger with him in the floor. Obviously, he had that contest against... Uh, uh, against um, Against Mitchell, that was really nice. The only thing is just, like, you do want to see him finish more consistently. That's the thing I keep saying is that, like, it's not a guarantee if he gets a layup and, or, or if he's able to finish through a dunk. And it's not a touch thing necessarily. It's really just a strength thing, right? You saw a couple plays there where he could have finished strong. He looked like he had a chance to, but he got, he got stuffed essentially twice on dunks, right? So there's a couple more things there. But, of course, that's natural. He's a rookie. There's a lot of things to work on. He's got a long career ahead of him. But... Right now, defensively, he looks interesting. He, he did not look out of place, and he gave the Raptors a measure of rim protection in those 15 minutes that I don't think they had in any of the other, you know, 33 that, that the game was played without him on the floor. So pretty impressive debut for Christian, even though the box score only sex 3.6 rebounds and a block. Uh, I, I liked his play. So um, I think the, the, the other takeaways, um, yeah, so I, don't, I, I didn't like some of the rotations from Nick. Uh, you know, Thad and, and Juancho on the floor at the same time. 
uh, just didn't look athletic at all, and the Raptors need to be athletic as possible. Um, obviously, that's not going to be his standard look because uh, Otto will normally be healthy, or at least you have Boucher and Precious as your usual group. I mean, the, the rotations are pretty, you know, different, I think, uh, this time around. Like, you know, you saw Fred sit for a large portion of uh, the, the fourth quarter. I guess, actually, you know what? The Raptors kind of did that last season as well. Never mind. I guess some of it was kind of similar as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The, the bench, I think the bench has more potential than what they showed tonight. Like, I think Precious obviously turned it around, but he was bad for three quarters. Uh, Christian was, was good in limited doses, but you don't know how much you're going to play him. Delano was in for nine minutes, you know. Um, yeah, it wasn't bad, honestly. It wasn't bad. Got a block. Two, uh, two points in nine minutes, but, you know, wasn't as aggressive as we've seen him in preseason, obviously. And um, But I, I think there's a way to use the bench that gets more out of them and that, that limits some of the minutes from the starters. Because, look, listen, as much as Nick is like, yo, I got to limit the minutes, I got to cut my guys' minutes down. Uh, Fred, 39 minutes. Gary, 37 minutes. Uh, OG, 38 minutes. Pascal, 34. Pascal, 34 is the only one that's like, okay, wow, that's a little, that's a little low for him. But he was also in foul trouble. So, you know, you probably would have expected him to play a little bit more. But, uh yeah, guys, um, you know, this was, this was a nice nice start for the season. And I think, actually, going back to this, I don't know how I missed this. I can't believe it's taken this long. Pascal was the player of the game, man. Pascal was excellent in this one. Um, uh, 23 points, 11 rebounds, and assists, four steals. Uh, hit a three. The free throws, four or eight. Obviously, that's got to improve. But, I mean, like, I like that number, man. Eight free throws a game. That's what I'm targeting for Pascal Siakam. Uh, we had Coach David Thorpe on earlier this uh, week on Tuesday where we talked about sort of that next level for Pascal. And that's what that's what Coach said, eight free throws. And that's exactly what Pascal got out there, eight free throws. But I, I think there's a couple of things that you got to really appreciate about Pascal's approach in this game. Number one, I think the start of the game, really liked his, uh, his contributions on the defensive glass. Um, the Raptors were obviously... You know, Scotty versus uh, Jared Allen is, is is a bit of a strength mismatch. As much as Scotty is a is, is a man child and and, and 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 just you know just superhumanly strong. I mean, like Jared Allen is still bigger than him. Um, so Pascal helping out on the defensive glass. You know, keeping the Cavs off that 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 front. I mean, the Cavs don't crash the glass too much, but they still got only six offensive rebounds and only five of those were uh, five of those were by Jared Allen, who kind of just by sheer size gets his. They don't really crash the glass. They just kind of have their tall guys like there at the at when the shot is, is is taken but they're not really sending guys on the wing or anything like that like the way the Raptors do but Pascal did a good job ensuring that I mean that was a big part of the game plan defensively I thought he applied a lot of pressure played a lot on the perimeter did a really good job guarding right Evan Mobley just you know I mean I, again I don't want to slander Evan Mobley more but Scotty clearly better uh especially in this game um you know like I think defensively set the tone and then offensively you know, the first quarters, usually you see guys sort of take shots that they don't take over the course of the game. Like, maybe it's like a feeling out period, but, like, Gary will, like, take an ISO and, and, and get to a mid-range contested uh, step back. Or Scotty would sort of go one-on-one with somebody that, that isn't really a matchup and, and, and force up a weird long two. Or, like, OG will, you know, try to ISO Mobley and, and get stuck in the lane. Like, it's just weird stuff that you see in the first quarter. But once the game flows and they get more and more clarity, you saw a lot better offensive execution as the game went on and guys taking the right shots and guys passing up certain shots to take the best ones for the team. And I think that's exactly how you're supposed to play. But Pascal kind of got the offense started by uh, taking over and, and just getting to his spots. And it's just a, a real smoothness to the way he was able to to, to operate today. Uh, nine from 20 from, from the field, obviously it can be a little bit better, but... You know, not a bad percentage, uh, especially, obviously, if you knock down some more free throws. 
uh, in this game. But the, the footwork and the fakes and stuff are really strong. Like, a lot more stuff where he's able to sort of go off of two feet, which uh, was able to sort of get him more opportunities to fake out the defender or even, like, pivot and, and, and use his footwork to get clean shots off, right? You had a play where uh, that's really set up to me where Pascal got the ball in the post. They kind of ran this weird play where they had, like, four guys on one corner and then Pascal at the top of the floor. Um, and Pascal was, uh, you know, backed up into a post-up, then turned it back around, then um, picked up his dribble, uh, lean one way, lean the other way, got the defender off balance, and then spun back two feet middle of the paint for a uh, mid-range jumper just inside of the free throw line. Like, that's beautiful, beautiful footwork, beautiful execution on a one-on-one. He's able to get a very clean shot off, very good balance on the shot as well. He's able to score that. And just a number of plays where he's able to just pivot and score in traffic. A lot of more, like, uh, intuitive stuff. He was able to get into the middle of the floor quick for a layup around Allen. You know, uh, you know, he's able to drive hard. No foul call, even though he got hammered. But that opened up Christian Coloco, who was able to get in for a putback dunk. Spill move, fadeaway jumper over Evan Mobley. Like, ooh, that was nasty, man. And then another screen where he intentionally had, I think he had Karis LeVert on him. He got the screen so that he could get Evan Mobley on him. And then crossed him up so hard, man. Evan Mobley was slipping on the ground. Like, it was nasty. Dean Wade had to come over and take an emergency foul just to take, just to... <laughs> Just to uh, prevent the layup. And, um, yeah, man, Pascal played great. He played great. And I think the only thing is just, like, uh, you know, defensively, uh, you, he does have a lot of responsibilities, so you don't want to see him pick up the foul trouble because, I mean, man, he is such a big driver of what the Raptors do. Like, he was so good in this game. And you just have to go back and watch the film. Some of the fakes that he was able to execute in this one was very, very savvy. And uh, I love to see it, man. That's the next step in his game. That's the next step in the game. People keep telling you this, and you gotta keep you gotta keep listening because uh, you know we only have people on the show who really know ball. So, um, in order to wrap this up, your three stars from tonight's game. First star for me, obviously, is Pascal. Twenty three, eleven, uh, an assist, four steals. But by the way, some pretty good playmaking from Pascal. Like, don't look at the one assist. Like, he didn't playmaker or anything like that. He he did a really good job of playmaking as well. The thing is, to me, is like he had so many good one-on-one advantages, and he took those. And even when a help defender came, he was smart about it, right? Pascal played great, made a couple big pick passes in crunch time, took Allen to the basket. And honestly, by the way, one mistake by Cleveland, they played their center, seven-foot center, the whole fourth quarter. The guy's got to gas out eventually, man. And that's exactly what started to happen, you know. And uh, Pascal got by him, Scotty got by him, um, you know, good stuff. Good, start, stuff uh, good stuff started happening. Second star for me, I mean, it's a tricky one here. Uh, I think I'm ultimately going to go with OG Anobi, though. 18.7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Hope you had him on your fantasy team. 5 of 12 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 6 of 7 from the free throw line. I mean, just a, like, you know, like a couple of mistakes offensively. Um, you know, he's definitely not the smoothest on that end sometimes, uh, especially off the dribble. But, man, he played his role perfectly, man. And, 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 you know, he got into the middle of the paint. He kicked it out. He made the right passes. Um, you know, knocked down two threes in the fourth quarter, both courtesy of Scotty Barnes' assists. Uh, played great defense, was excellent, poked the ball free quite a few times. I mean, exactly what the role you want to see from OG. Like, I, I thought outside of one or two possessions in the first quarter, that kind of stood out to me. I was like, okay, maybe he should have taken this shot. Everything else he did well within his role, executed perfectly. Exactly the type of reliable player that is is is, is should not be traded for Terry Rozier. I'm sorry, Coach, but that 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 was a bad take on Tuesday. In my opinion. Uh, and then your third star. Um, you know, I think Gary has a shout for it here a little bit. Offensively, he was really huge in terms of a little pressure release uh, sh- type of makes. 
I think Freddie played his role really well as well. Um, but defensively, he did they did pick on him a little bit, especially when uh, Garland came off the floor. Guys got bigger, and uh, you know Fred's matchup sort of you know dried up. So I think I'm going to give it to Scotty. I got to give it to Scotty, man. Plus 20 in, in, in 32 minutes, 15 points, 7 uh, assists, 3 rebounds, 2 steals, uh, 7 of 14 from the field, knocked down a 3 at one point as well. The game um, securing assists, hit ahead play to Precious was very, very heads up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't the smoothest game from, from Scotty, mostly because of the foul trouble, but uh, I liked to see the moments where he took his guys on. And that's what I'm going to be saying on this podcast over and over again. That's probably what you're going to hear from Nick Nurse over and over again, from his teammates over and over again. Scotty has the green light, and they want him to be more aggressive. And what I mean by that is early in the game, he'd be like, oh, I have Dean Wade on me. Maybe I'll flip this into a dribble handoff. Or, ooh, I might have Evan Mobley on me. I'm not going to, you know, kick it out and swing the ball or something. Take it to the basket. Scotty has the off-the-dribble game. He has the strength, most important. Because he doesn't need to, like, cross you up, get you sliding sideways like Allen Iverson, and then pull, and then get, you know, get a really, really clean shot off. Scotty just needs to get you leaning a little bit and then start uh, uh, driving against that grain and using that angle to get to the rim for layups. And he's so strong. He's got a great touch. Do it more often. Like, we don't have to wait until the end of the game to see you, like, oh, now I can take on Jared Allen and, and get him to the bucket. Like, you can do that at other points of the game. You know, and, and that's what you want to see from Scotty. More and more of those rim uh, pressure opportunities. And that mentality of scoring first, and then when the defense comes, kicking it out and making the right play, that's how it's got to go. It cannot be like the passivity that you see at times from him. But he's a young player, and you always got to remember that. As much expectations you put on him, as much uh, long-term sort of outlooks you want to you know paint about how rosy his future is and how much he's going to lift the Raptors, you need him first and foremost to learn how to be aggressive all the time. And when you see the moments, when you see the flashes that he showed in the fourth quarter, it just makes you want to see it a whole game, man. Um, in terms of your Gerald Henderson, oh, uh, yeah, in terms of your Gerald Henderson, I, honestly, it's been too long since I've done a pod. I'm kind of starting to forget how I do these things. Uh, Chetty Osman, he's going to get the Gerald Henderson Award here. Um, yeah, he's just annoying, man. He just knocks down shots. He just catches OG slipping on, like, up fakes and then pivots around for layups. He had knocks down corner threes. Then he hip checks Fred for a moving screen. Then he gets in it for, like, a little putback here and there. It's just, like, it's just so annoying. Like, every time you play the, the Cavs, I'm annoyed at Chetty Osmond. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he gave them a big boost off the bench. 17 uh, points, 28 minutes, was very active. And, you know, you do wish for a little bit of that from the Raptors. They don't really have a guy like that. Not not that I'm clamoring for him to be on the team, to be honest. He's not that good. But, um, yeah, he had, a, he had a good impact off the bench. You can't even hate. So, um, you know, it, it was it enough to win? No. And that's why this is a great start for the Raptors. The Raptors are 1-0 now. Cleveland is 0-1. Uh, these are going to be tough matchups, and they're going to continue to be so. But stylistically, it was interesting. It was fun. It was very competitive. And most importantly, your main guys were your main guys, and they took over. So you want to see a little stronger from the bench. You want to see a little bit better in terms of Nick making the uh, rotations a little bit sharper so you, you avoid some of those mismatch lineups. But for the most part, very nice start for the Raptors. They win on opening night. And, uh, yeah, I'm also really happy to be doing this, man. The excitement in the building was palpable. You know, uh, reports suggest that uh, a lot of, uh, you know, cheering and screaming from the, the press box um, was heard. Uh, and therefore, a lot of people who sat in front of me scattered. But listen, the, the energy and the passion is going to flow. And, um, you know, we're going to see another game very, very soon on, on, on Friday. So uh, hopefully they're able to keep this rolling. That does for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, rate, review, subscribe. It's very, very important we do that because it keeps uh, uh, the show high in the charts. It allows more people to find the show. It allows the Raptors community to continue to build. 
And, you know, obviously it's self-serving for me, but I, I, I want to do well in this, in this program. So if you liked it, please go and review, rate. The, the most important thing is you write a review. Second most important thing is you give it five stars. And then the third most thing is just that uh, you like it or whatever. But in, in those order, if you want to help the show, you should do that. So thanks everyone for listening. And uh, I'll be back on Friday to recap another game. <laughs>